G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 with Neil Johnson on Vision. Alex Cook, the founder of Wealth With Purpose, is back with us. Alex, a special welcome back to 2020. Hey Neil, great to be with you again. Hey Alex, we're going to talk about spiritual warfare over our money. But first of all, let's start with a listener question and I think uh, that last week you began to answer this and there's some dimensions on here which are really important. So it's a question that comes mm. from an overseas listener who says, we've been serving with pioneers in Southeast Asia since 2007 where my wife's a citizen. I'm nearly 55, she's 48. We're facing the choice of whether to return to Australia or not in our 60s. A hundred grand in super and no savings, as it pretty much all goes to the ministry. Would appreciate some thoughts on how we go about trying to answer these questions and trying to decide the pros and cons of older age in Australia or over here. Thanks. Alex Cook, what are your thoughts for Dave from overseas? A nice, easy question to begin with, right? (laughs) Yes. There's lots of dimensions (laughs) in there. um, there is. Look, I love this question because I've encountered it many times with those in ministry. So not just missionaries, but also pastors themselves who quite often find that when they get to the end of their working life, many do not own their own home. And now we know in Australia, everyone loves owning their own home, but it's very common for those in ministry. You know, maybe they go into Bible college at, at a young age. Um, and by that stage, you know, wife, you have wife and kids and all of a sudden you've got expenses and they don't end up buying their own home. And so they get to 65, 70 and they're close to retirement and they don't have a place to, to live. And sometimes accommodation has been provided for them during their working life. Uh, and all of a sudden they, get, they think to themselves, oh, wow, I might be homeless in retirement. So it's a very common issue and it's a very you know important issue to grapple with. Uh, there are actual organisations working on solutions, by the way, for co-ownership for people in ministry and all sorts of things. So happy to you know address some of those things in private with, with uh, listeners that are in ministry. Um, but let's address some of the key issues they need to think through. So to me, I think a lot of this question stems from the fact that the person doesn't own their own home. Um, what I try and encourage people to do is... Uh, for those that are in ministry, is to try and buy a place before you go off on the field or go into the ministry itself. With one major disclaimer here, you should never stop what God is calling you to do just because of you know financial reasons. You know, if you're if you feel God is leading you in a way, He'll provide. You don't you know you don't go into ministry when certain financial things have taken place. But from a practical standpoint, I try and encourage them to own, to buy a property and rent it out and essentially have someone else pay off the mortgage. And because obviously house prices in capital cities in Australia are very expensive, it may well be you can buy something a bit more regional, so outside of a major city, you know, maybe 100 or 200 k's from a big city that can be rented out and essentially someone is paying the mortgage for you. So save a little bit for a deposit 
then borrow um, and have someone pay it without you know, taking on too big a debt. So that's one thing I try and encourage before ministry, but even if you're in ministry and you can just save a little bit, uh, that will go a long way so that when you do hit 65 or 70, um, you do have a place that you can go to or sell and move to somewhere else that you'd like to live. It doesn't have to be purely a house bought for, for you know, retirement. It could be for investment with the view of selling it for retirement. So that's the, the big one. The home ownership is a, is a big one um, that people need to grapple with. But it's more complex a decision than that because when you do go into retirement, there's an issue of do you want to be near your family? Now, we do live in a more globalised society, so people don't often necessarily live in the same you know, country as the bulk of their family. But having family near, particularly as you get older and you need people to help you to do things like going to doctor's appointments and all that kind of family help and support does make a big difference. So it's very helpful. Notwithstanding that, it could be church support. So being near a church where you feel part of that community, uh, you're, you're loving people and helping serving them and they're serving you as part of that church community. So that's a critical decision in, in where you're going to live. Um, and then, of course, medical issues, being close to hospital care and those kind of things um, also come into decision making. So there's not just one thing that you need to think through. Um, obviously, in this particular situation of this listener, whether in Southeast Asia, many parts of Southeast Asia are much cheaper to live uh, than Australia, and therefore that could be a perfectly uh, sensible decision. You may be eligible for Centrelink, uh, even though you're living offshore, uh, and it may well be cheaper to buy a house there uh, now and rent that out rather than doing the same thing in Australia. So the main thing I wanted to answer this, because everyone's situation will be a little bit different, but is to make sure you're aware of the issues. Um, certainly, I think there are some big ones you've got to really pray through, such as owning a place and the debt that's associated with that, being near family uh, in retirement, being near medical support, and especially being near a thriving church community where you can serve and be part of, you know, be looked after as well uh, as part of that community. So a lot of it's it's a, it is a more complicated issue than it may appear on face value. Um, but certainly save what little you can and try and build up a deposit, I think, and get, get a property and have someone pay it off is a, is a really good strategy as well. So, yeah, big decisions. Certainly one of those challenging things for people who serve in Christian ministry roles and mm. especially those who are serving in missionary roles uh, because, as you say, Alex, you can feel called by God, uh, but that sometimes means you put your own welfare into your retirement years on hold. Now, there are some churches, some denominations that will treat those sorts of retirement issues better than others. And uh, I guess mm, that's something are. you go into with your eyes wide open rather than uh, not understanding, having a level of ignorance about that. But uh, certainly counting the cost is one of those things uh, before you serve in mission or ministry. At 1-800-316-316 to join in our conversation and taking calls on our Ask Alex segment. In fact, Alex, why don't we take a call straight away? Uh, let's hear from Wayne in Mackay in Queensland. Hi, Wayne. Hey, how are you, mate? Good, Wayne. What are your yeah, thoughts? Mate, we own our own home. Uh, God's really blessed us in that area. I'm not far from retiring. Um, my wife and myself are working. Um, I used my super 
uh, big part of my super to pay my house off because I thought, well, I can knock 26 years off my loan. So I was at the age 55, I could get my super out. At that age, I was born. Um, now, going along with that, um, you'll, you'll hear a lot of financial uh, institutions or that talk about you'll need a million dollars and all that. Well, I don't believe in that. I mean, I don't drink. I, I don't do anything stupid. I'm a good steward with my money, which is what God's taught me. I, and I, I do all the things. I tithe and we both tithe and give. So um, I'm just trusting in God because the things are which I heard the, the men talk about everybody's different was we've still got bills and like our bill paying now would be around the 360 a week that's with everything from your registration to you name it now the one thing that we're going to have to do and we're doing a homework on that earlier is there's going to be things that we're going to have to um maybe pull out of like uh to you know like to be able to live but like Wayne, it sounds like you've got a really good scenario going for you and a level head on your shoulders too to think about how to do uh, those sorts of issues around managing your money towards retirement. But let's get some thoughts. Alex Cook, uh, Wayne and his scenario, what are you seeing? Yeah, look, this is a very good one. And once again, he raises some really interesting points there. So Wayne obviously mentioned he owns his own home, which is great, and that he used some of his super to pay that down. Um, I think he's right when he says you don't necessarily need a million dollars. That's kind of the figure that's thrown around by the financial industry. Um, reality is you can get by on a lot less, but also what people forget, based on the way the current Australian financial system works, um, you'll get potentially a part pension or a full pension based on your assets. So it may well be... If you do own your own home, which you know I would encourage as much as possible within you know reason, um, that the combination of a small amount of super, like say a lot less, like three hundred grand, plus what the Centrelink will give you, those two together can provide you with an adequate income in retirement. Now keep in mind, no two people are the same. People have different backgrounds, different expectations, and of course it affects our level of giving too because. You know, we want to be able to continue to gener- be live generous lives, even in retirement, not just prior to retirement when we're working. So we need to balance those things all out. But I think his point is valid. You don't need a million dollars necessarily. Um, and uh, yeah, owning your own home, though, I think is is is. I try to people aim for it as much as you possibly can, but just don't overdo it and don't stress stress about it. But try and put that building block in place if you can. Wayne, is that a yeah. helpful response? Yeah, no, that's excellent, mate. Um, you know, if, if I wasn't a Christian, I, I I wouldn't be able to, yeah, look at it the way that God's taught us as being good stewards. So once again, we just got to trust in God. I mean, he doesn't expect us to be perfect. We do our best, let God do the rest, and trust in him completely. Good and, stuff, uh, Wayne. Amen. Be okay. amen. Wayne, thank you for your call, 1-800-316-316. If you have your own scenario or if you've got a money question, you want a biblical, sound, wise response to the sorts of things that you might be facing, 1-800-316-316. Hey, Alex, I mentioned we'd talk around some of the spiritual battles that go on, a spiritual warfare over our money. 
Well, when we look around the world, we can tend to think that everything's happening just in the physical. But there is a spiritual world and Christians recognize that there is a battle that's happening and there are implications for believers even around our money. What are your thoughts about a spiritual warfare battle over money? Mm, Well, look, I think this is a very overlooked area of the, the Christian faith. As you say, we see the physical realm all around us every day when we get up and go to work. However, the Bible makes it very clear that there's this spiritual realm and that that spiritual realm overflows, if you like, into the physical in the sense that it has a profound influence on our society. And in fact, this war that is going on, it's 24-7 and it's a relentless battle for the souls of mankind. You know, it's a, it's a good versus evil battle. But in that battle, there is a financial component to it and uh, that, what that financial component is, is that the devil and one of his ways of uh, getting at us as, as believers particularly is through, is through money. I mean, the Bible makes it clear that the devil hates us and that he wants to take us away from God. He wants us to abandon the faith. Uh, and to do that, one of the ways he can use is money because The thing about money is our heart and money are often very linked. You know, the Bible warns us that we can fall in love with money. And when you do that, you're making money an idol. In other words, you're making a false god in your life and you're serving money rather than serving God. And so this is why it is very much a spiritual battle um, and so forth. And so money can take you away from God. And that's why the devil uses it as a weapon against you. Of course, the other thing is if he can't get your faith, if he can't take you away from God, what he'll try and do is just make you a lot less effective. And the most common one, obviously, in Australian society, particularly that we talk about a lot in this program, is indebtedness. If you're heavily in debt, you can be enslaved and you end up giving less. So you can't fund the kingdom as much. Um, And probably the third big one, I think, that's very profound in Australian society is the destruction of families through financial conflict. You know, the devil wants to destroy God's structure for mankind, you know, man and woman, two two becoming one. He wants to destroy that. And one of the ways he does that, and the most common reason for divorce in Australia today, is financial conflict. Of course, that then flows through uh, to the children. I think I saw a survey just last week saying there are now a million single-parent families in Australia. And, of course, single-parent families typically have less money. So more and more people, particularly if you look at some of the stats from the Smith family, more and more people are falling into poverty as a result. So you can see that the spiritual realm is having a profound effect on the natural realm. And it is a war. And the Bible says, you know, your enemy, the devil, prowls around look like a lion, looking for someone to devour and that's why we need to be alert Uh, we don't need to obsess over it you know some people get a bit obsessed about this kind of thing you know they see demons everywhere but it's more the idea that we're conscious of the fact that we as believers are targets and that we need to be aware and we need to put on the armor of god to fight back against the devil's schemes because he is a schemer and he wants to take you out So there is a battle on and uh, no uh, ignorance here from the Christian who reads the Bible, who recognizes that there is a spiritual realm and that there's a spiritual attack. So uh, just a a little personal here, how might my reaction be around this, Alex Cook? Some of the ways that the devil attacks us, uh, our response. What are your thoughts here? Mm, Well, I think probably the most common one at the moment is, is fear. 
uh, particularly, you know, you only turn on the evening news and we, we, we see the Bible sort of unfolding before our very eyes. You know, there's wars and rumours of wars, there's food shortages, there's earthquakes. You know, you hear all these things on the news now and you can see, as I say, the Bible is just unfolding before our very eyes. But for some people, though, there's a natural reaction and that is, to, is fear and particularly the fear of lack in a world that's gone mad. And the danger, though, of that, and this is where the devil gets to us, is that when we allow fear to creep in, our natural reaction is to withhold. You know, we won't be generous if we're fearful. But the other thing it leads to is indecision or poor decision making. You know, you're very unlikely to look at the future as one of hope and opportunity if you're living in fear. And as believers, we should be always have the hope, not just the hope of short term, but also the hope of eternity. But we should be also looking and saying, well, the light will shine brighter as some of the darkness grows around us, you know, and so that's an opportunity for us. So we shouldn't fear and we should look to God. Um, But the second big way I think the devil attacks us, aside from just fear and the fear of lack, is our identity. You know, you know, you hear about identity politics and the crisis that many people are having these days in the sense they don't know who they are. But there's a money component to that, and that is uh, people obsess about their career and the amount of money they have. I remember, I always like to tell the story of myself. When I was 21, I was a, a stockbroker, and not only did I want to be successful, but I wanted to look successful. And of course, the danger of wanting to look successful is that drives your financial behaviour. You know, I wanted to have you know, the nice suit, the European car, and borrowed money to buy a European car, all these kind of things that were driven by not having my identity correctly anchored in Christ. Um, and that's how the devil can get to you. And uh, once again, all of these things, uh, they, they take away from your relationship with God. And so we need, to, we need to counteract those and just be aware that we are under attack. It's, that's a normal part. And, you know, if you're a Christian, you are going to come under attack um, and that there is solutions. Though. There are answers to deal with it. Well, let's, we haven't got a lot of time to get into how the Christian makes a stand and is defending uh, when there is an enemy. But uh, certainly the armour of God is one of those uh, very special issues out of Ephesians chapter 6. Uh, we haven't got a lot of time, but what are your thoughts around uh, how you defend yourself in the spiritual battle that also includes an attack upon your understanding and your use of money? Mm. Well, as you say, Ephesians 6, and I'd encourage listeners to, you know, later today, look up their Bible, read out Ephesians 6. It talks about putting on the armour of God. It says, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. But then it talks about a few concepts throughout that passage, you know, like putting on the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the helmet of salvation, and all these, uh, if you like, warlike uh, concepts and things to protect yourself. And some things are for protection and some things are for offense, you know, to, to attack, if you like. And so... When we put those all together, and as I say, as you rightly say, we don't have enough time to fully unpack the, the theology associated with that. But when I think of, say, for example, the concept of the belt of truth, now our lives must be anchored in the truth, in God's word, and particularly our identity. You know, if we know who we are in Christ, that is a fantastic uh, position to, to stand from, particularly when you're dealing like with topics such as money. Um, but I think as part of this sort of process, though, of, of awareness of, of the battle that's going on around us, we need to be willing to examine our own hearts at, at what is, um, you know, how we've been affected by the spiritual realm. You know, are we 
tending ourselves towards, uh, you know, selfishness or self-indulgence. Uh, you know, where where are we at? And just be honest with yourself. And of course, you know, there's this fantastic concept in scripture called repentance from a Greek word metanoi, which means to turn around. And, you know, we have a, a God of grace who loves us. And when we uh, repent, he wants to help us to turn around and go another way. And so when the devil leads us astray, we can come back and get back on track and do things God's way. And of course, the way to do that is just making sure that you're meditating on God's word. In fact, we talked about this last week when I was chatting with Matt about prosperity and, and how that happens. And the need for us as believers is to meditate on God's word. Because when you do that, you are bringing God's word in. You know, it talks about the helmet of, you know, helmet of salvation, where you're protecting your mind. You're filling your mind with God's word, uh, which is where half, the battle, where half the battle is anyway. So God's word is powerful. Uh, and meditate on it day and night, and that will help you in the battles that we all face as uh, believers. Alex Cook, good wisdom as always. Alex Cook is the founder of Wealth With Purpose, and you can connect with Alex at his website, wealthwithpurpose.com. There's free resources there, e-books, the My Toolkit, free videos, podcast content. You can follow him too on Facebook and on Twitter. There is an email, askalex at wealthwithpurpose.com. Alex Cook, great insights as always. Thank you so much for being with us once again today on 2020. My pleasure, Neil. Great to be with you as always. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.